you've got a Bible and you want to follow along, we're going to be reading in just a few minutes from Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4, going to begin at verse 1. We'll have the verses on the screen. I want to begin not a series, but a, a group of messages called Things That Matter. Things That Matter. I call it a group of messages because really they're not all directly connected, but there are some messages that God's put in my heart that we as a church and we as believers need to hear from time to time to keep us on track with God and to shape our lives. And so I'm going to share several different messages the next few weeks. Pastor Zach will be sharing as well in this series or this group of messages about things that matter. And I want to begin with this today. Let's just imagine that we all decide we're going to go on a cruise. How many are ready to go on a cruise? We're going to get on a cruise ship and we're going to cruise beautiful Lake Elsinore. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. But let's just, let's just imagine that we're going to get on this cruise ship. So we all drive down to San Diego. We all get on the cruise ship. And we're either going to go to Alaska. How many want to go to the Alaska cruise? How many want to do the Hawaiian Island cruise? Like from now for 17 months. That would be wonderful. Or some want to do the, the Mexican Riviera cruise. They're all, there you go. All kinds of cruises. So we all got to go get in this cruise ship. We're going to go. When you get in that ship and it takes off, they will chart a course for a destination. Whether it's Alaska, the Hawaiian Islands, uh, the Mexican Riviera, whichever city it might be, whichever port. They will chart a course. And when that ship takes off and it gets on that course, if, if it gets a radio call, they will ask the captain, what is your attitude? What is your attitude? In nautical terminology, the word attitude means what is your direction? Where is the nose of your ship pointing? So when they ask the question, what is your attitude, they're asking what direction are you headed? Well, you know what? It's the same in life. Your attitude determines where you're going to go. Because your attitude points you in a direction. And all of us are on the, on the journey. We have to watch our attitude because our attitude in different areas will really de determine where we're going to end up. And today what I want to do, I, I want to talk to you about our attitude towards people. And I'm going to narrow it down here in a few minutes. But really, relationships, the way we do life with people, that's really the proving ground for Christianity. Uh, John wrote about this. He said, you know, how can you say you love God and you hate people? He said, how can you love God who you haven't seen, but yet you say you, love, you can't love people who you have seen? What he's saying is that there are two parts. Jesus taught this. We love God and we love people as we love ourselves. We have to learn how to do life with people. Now, let me just ask an obvious question up front. How many of you know that there are some difficult people in this world? How many know that? Let me see a hand. Some of, some of you need to get two hands up, okay? Because you've got two families. <laughs> How many of you know sometimes there are difficult people in families? You know, it's true. I, I do this all the time here, so you've heard me say this before, but if you can't think of a difficult person in your family, you're it. Okay? <laughs> Every family's got one, I promise you. Sometimes more. But really, Christianity, it's not just about how we do life in relationship with God. Christianity is really evidenced by how we do life with people. That's how God sees it. So today I want to read from Ephesians chapter 4. And I want to read the first three verses. And I want to comment after each verse. So let's begin in Ephesians 4, verse number 1. Here's what Paul says. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Now, in my words, here's what he's saying. Since we have accepted God's invitation to become his children, we need to act like his children. Are you okay with that one so far? Okay, verse 2. He says, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. Here's my words. Let your attitude toward others be humble, gentle, patient, 
And let your attitude be motivated by God's love. And then it, I think it would say this, and learn to put up with others. That's literally what it says. How many of you know that some people, you just have to try to learn how to put up with them? See, Paul gave us these words because he knew there would be difficult people for us to deal with in life. But as believers, we need to learn how to be humble and patient and kind and learn how to deal with people. And in verse 3, he says this, Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the unity that the Holy Spirit brings into the body of Christ in the bond of peace. In my words, I'd say it this way. Put forth a sincere effort to live in unity with others and maintain peace. Now, with all of this in mind, I want to talk to you today about offenses. Offenses. Because there are going to be times in life when you get offended. And there are going to be times in life when you cause offenses. And the question is, how do I deal with these offenses? How does God see these things? Well, let me just share a few things. Jesus told us in Luke 17, there are going to be offenses. There's just no two ways about it. We'll read it in a few minutes. But there are, are more than one kind of offenses. There are different kinds of offenses. And I've learned that there are going to be many opportunities in life for me to be offended and for me to offend people. As a matter of fact, there'll be three or four people get offended at my message today. And I'm going to talk about that later on too. Okay, I'll come back to that. But you know, the truth is there will always be people who don't care if they hurt you. There are going to be people who don't care if they embarrass you, if they offend you. There are people, even sometimes in churches. Now, there used to be one here, but we asked them to leave a few years ago. But... Even in church, there are going to be people who sometimes just don't care what anybody thinks and they are going to offend you. But I've also learned there are people who are always looking for a reason to be offended. Always got their feelings on their shoulders. The question is, how will I deal with life's offenses? You see, the way I deal with offenses makes a statement about my maturity, my spiritual maturity, my natural maturity, my relational maturity. And I believe that spiritual maturity helps these other areas grow. So if I'm struggling in relational maturity and I can't get along with people, that's a sign that spiritually I've got immaturity. God wants us to learn how to deal with offenses. Why? Because they're always going to be there. Now let me ask you a question. Do you know somebody who's always offended about something? You know, first service thought that was pretty good. I got a pretty big cheer out of that one. Okay, think outside your in-laws, okay? If, if, if I get you outside that box, some of you will laugh with me now. How many of you know somebody who's always offended about something? You know those kind of people? That's a sign of spiritual and relational personal immaturity that we're always offended about stuff and as believers we are empowered by God to learn how to ignore and reject and overcome offenses so I'm going to talk about this for a few minutes I want to talk today about three kinds of offenses there may be more than these three but I want to focus on three today I want to begin reading at Luke chapter 17 these are the words of Jesus in Luke 17, verse number 1. Here's what Jesus says. Then he said to the disciples, It is impossible that no offenses should come. That's the words of Jesus. It's impossible for you not to be offended, and it's impossible for you to not create some offenses in life. It's going to happen. But, notice what he says, But woe to him through whom they do come. Verse 2, he says, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. Let me put it to you in, in uh, movie terminology. How many of you like mafia movies? You like ma I, I like ma If it's violent, I like it, okay? That's just me. It takes me out of the real world. 
You know, I got to talk about God's love, God's love, God's love every day, all day. When I get home, I want to see somebody shoot somebody or something. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I love action movies, okay? I like, last Sunday, you know, Pastor Nick shared a great message about being in relationship with people. I got home, and I grabbed lunch, took it home. I got home, and I'm watching the golf tournament at Pebble Beach. And I love that golf course. I'm watching. This is wonderful. And all of a sudden, because the rain delays, they cut the tournament coverage short. The tournament's still going on. They stop it so they can have the Grammys. And I'm thinking, golf at Pebble Beach Grammys. How in the world do they cut golf to go to Grammys? That makes no sense to me. But they did. So I'm all bummed out until I realized they put a little ad up there. You can go to a website and watch it. So I got my iPad sitting on the ottoman, and I'm watching the golf tournament at Pebble Beach. And then on the television, on our big screen, I'm watching The Godfather. I was in heaven for a while. Golf, Godfather, golf, God. It couldn't be better, you know. It was awesome. But let, let, me, let me put this verse... What Jesus said, he said, you know, woe to him who offends people. It would be better for you to be put in cement shoes and thrown in the Pacific Ocean than to offend people. That's what he said. Now, verse 3. I don't want to get stuck here. Take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. Verse 4. If he sins against you seven times in a day and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. Let me talk to you about, number one, the most obvious offenses, and that's the offenses that people bring our way. Sometimes people are going to offend us, and we are going to offend people. You can get offended with people. In the New Testament, the word offense, if you go to the original writings, it almost always gives you a picture of a baited trap. That's what an offense is. It's a baited trap. And the enemy baits this trap, causes the situation to come about, and all of a sudden, he says to you, how are you going to deal with this? Are you going to take the bait, or are you going to walk away from it? That's our challenge. Learning to deal with this. And what I've learned is, the moment I embrace the hurt, the pain, the offense of someone, and then the moment I verbalize it and begin to talk about it, I have taken the bait. And I have to learn how to walk away because offenses create all kinds of problems in life. And I'll show you more of it in a few minutes. But let me walk you through this. In this passage we just read, Jesus gives us three things. Number one, he gives us a life truth. The life truth is offenses are going to happen. You will offend people and you will be offended by people. It's going to happen. Sure as you shoot me, it's going to happen. Number two, then he gives us a warning. The warning is, woe to the one who offends people. Now, let me illustrate this to you. I asked you earlier about, do you know somebody? How about this one? Do you know somebody who walks around saying, well, I don't care what people think about me. I am what I am. I'm just the way I am. If you don't like it, that's just tough for you. And they walk around bumping into everybody, shoving people around. And when you say something to them, tough, that's your problem, not mine. You know what? That's not the nature of Christ. If I could just tell you. Now, that's, that's not saying we shouldn't have boundaries in our lives and there's not a time to say no. I'm talking about the attitude. That's not the nature of Christ. But the truth of the matter is, Jesus said, woe to those who go around offending people. Let me explain to you what that means, because we don't use that word, whoa, like Jesus used it. It's, it's an expression of heavy grief. I think what Jesus is saying is, someday you're going to stand before God for the way you deal with people, and whoa. We need to be careful how we present ourselves to people and how we impact them. We do need to care about what people think about our actions. If they misread our actions, that's one thing. But if our actions are overtly out there, just banging into everybody, we are in the wrong. We need to back off that. So Jesus gives us, first, a life truth. He gives us a warning. And then third of all, he gives us instructions. Here's what he says. If someone offends you, 
talk to them. See, most Christians get this backward. Oh, I'm just meek and humble. I would never say anything to anybody. So we just carry this offense for the rest of our lives. Oh, so-and-so, so-and-so laughed at my hair 17 years ago, and I'm still hurt today. <laughs> well, your hair's gone. What are you laughing about now, you know? <laughs> it looks totally different. Not like a, what are you, why are you still hurt? Well, well, they just never came and said they were sorry. Scripture says if you're going to be offended, it becomes your responsibility to go to the offender and talk to them about what happened. Talk about it. And I think the idea from Scripture we get is we're to go to them to try to clear up a misunderstanding and to reconcile the relationship. Because I'm going to tell you something. Most offenses, especially in the church, most offenses come about because of misunderstanding. It was one word a person used or the look on their face when they said it or how they said it. It was something about their tone of voice. Something came out and all of a sudden we grabbed it, we squeezed it, we held on to it and we began to tell our spouse and our family and our friends about it trying to get the army behind us to be upset at that person. That's an offense. Jesus said if somebody offends you, it's your responsibility to go talk to them and try to reconcile the situation. So if you don't want to go talk to people about offending you, you've got to decide to quit getting offended. This is good teaching. All right? I like this. I hope, I hope you like it. Like I said, some people will be offended at what I say today. But then Jesus said, go talk to them. And if they repent, forgive them. Forgive them. And then he went one step further and said, if they do it seven times a day and come back and say, I repent. Keep forgiving them. I think the picture here he's saying is you don't ever want to stop forgiving. you got to be willing to forgive people and turn loose of it and not hold on to it. You see, I've learned that I can choose to be offended or I can choose to ignore an offense. You know, people get offended sometimes over the craziest stuff. I shared this first service, and afterwards I got a lot of response from people. Uh, I've heard people go to church and say, well, I can't believe it. Pastor walked right by me, and I was talking to my friend, and he walked right by me and didn't say a word to me. <laughs> Do you know how many people I walk by on a Sunday who don't say a word to me? <laughs> Let me give you something else. I preach twice on Sunday mornings. If you're in second service, when I'm done, I'm a man, okay? Count the words. When I'm finished preaching two sermons, my words for the day are gone. They are all used. Don't take it personal if I don't have much to say. Well, I might say something wrong, you know what I'm saying? But, but the point is, you don't ever want to start looking for reasons to be offended. Years ago, there was an older pastor who's now gone to be with the Lord. He... He had a big hand in my life. He really did a lot to help shape my ministry. And we were talking about church building and dealing with people. And he made this, this statement to me. He said, you know what? There's always going to be people getting offended about stuff. But he said, here's something I've learned. It's nothing until I say it's something. If I can walk away and leave it alone, it'll die and lay right there. But if I pick it up and carry it, then it becomes an offense. So I've learned it's nothing unless I say it's something. We need to learn to live by that. Quit looking for reasons to be offended. I can live with the chip on my shoulder or I can forgive. You know, Jesus talked a good deal about forgiveness. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus talked about two planes of forgiveness. The horizontal plane and then the vertical plane. Here's what Jesus said. He said, if you can't forgive people, then it blocks the forgiveness that God extends to you. If there's no forgiveness going this way, there won't be forgiveness going this way. You know, I've learned through the years that one of the reasons we don't see answers to our prayers is because we've got stuff in our heart towards people. And it blocks forgiveness. It blocks the flow of God's blessing. Some of us have heard grace, 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 and we've forgotten about the truth of the things that Jesus said. I believe in grace, but I also believe in truth. If I'm too immature to grab truth, then it's going to mess up my life and my walk with God and with people. I've got to be willing to forgive. As a matter of fact, Matthew chapter 5, here's what Jesus said. 
Jesus said, and this is Old Testament language kind of, but what he said was if you come to worship God and you bring your gift and you get to the altar and you realize, well, I've got unforgiveness towards somebody, Jesus said, don't present your gift, set it down on the altar, walk away, go make it right with that person, and then come back and offer your gift to God. If I've got unforgiveness in my heart, it interferes with my worship and my relationship with God. And sometimes they think, well, I don't know why, I don't, I don't sense God's presence like I used to. I don't feel like God's close to me. And then you start thinking about it. Well, I don't like this person, I don't like that person. You know what so-and-so said, and I can't stand the way Fletcher McCullough dresses. They look like such an idiot. Why do they do? We, we carry all this stuff, and then we wonder why all this judgmental stuff blocks up our relationship with God. Now, let me do this real quick. Aaron, Adrian, come on up here and help me. I did this first service with Jeremy and Krista, and Krista really enjoyed it. I hope, Eric, I hope Adrian enjoys it as much. Aaron, come on over here. Adrian, you stand right there. Aaron, you stand right there, right there. That's close enough. I don't want you to be closer. You might catch germs. I don't want to start dressing like you. Does this offend you? Um, so, I told you. So, here's the deal. Here's the deal. For, for two minutes, Adrian's going to love this because for two minutes, Adrian gets to be God. Okay? So when you guys go sit down, you'll have about 30 seconds left to, to talk to him, okay? So she's going to be God. And so I'm, I'm talking to God, and all of a sudden, Aaron and I get into it over something, and there's hurt feelings, there's bitterness. And all of a sudden, Aaron comes between me and God. And I start talking to God, and all God does is keep showing me Aaron's face. And I'm like... So what do I do? I just can't believe that Aaron. He's just messing up my spiritual life. He's in the way. Let me ask you a question. If Aaron's standing between me and God, who's closest to God? And See, sometimes we let people come between us and God, never realizing that half the time they don't know anything about it. We're carrying all this stuff of what they did, and we've never verbalized it. We've never talked to them, trying to get it ironed out, and we just hold this stuff, and it messes up my ability to see God clearly. I give God and Aaron a good hand. Would you do that? As a <coughs> so here's the thing. I shared this not long ago, but let me just bring it up again. One of the prayers that God answers instantly, how many like it when God answers prayer real fast? One of the prayers he answers, like right now, is the prayer when you pray and say, God, do I have unforgiveness in my heart toward anybody? Bam, God answers it like that. Doesn't take long. He'll answer that prayer fast. We need to learn to pray that prayer from time to time. God, is there anything in my heart? Especially if you're going through a tough time, it's like, where in the world is God? Check your heart for unforgiveness. Because people will come between you and God. Number two, the second thing, second kind of offense, and I'm going to move pretty quickly here. And if you want to go home and study this, you can write these scriptures down and look it up for yourself. Number one, I can be offended with people. Number two, I can be offended with another believer's liberty. I can be offended with another believer's liberty. Now, Paul in Galatians chapter 2 talked about this very subject. As a matter of fact, four or five times in, in the New Testament, in different letters, Paul talked about liberty and being offended with people's liberties. And he gave us some guidelines for this. I was raised in a really old-fashioned, legalistic, holiness church. But as time went by, it was eaten up with a thousand rules and a thousand regulations. And it reached the place where all we did was compare ourselves with each other and try to figure out who was the holiest. And Paul wrote and said, it's not wise when you start comparing yourself with each other. Because you can look good on the outside, you can be a mess on the inside. But I want you to listen to me. We're not all going to be cookie cutters looking just alike and seeing everything exactly the same. We're just not. And based, listen closely, 
based on our fallen nature, where we come from and what we had to overcome. Some of us have got to stay totally away from certain situations. Other people doesn't face them whatsoever. And my home church, I mean, they were against everything. If it was fun and it brought enjoyment to your life, they were against it. Didn't matter what it was. We couldn't go bowling because they served alcohol at the bowling alley. We couldn't go to restaurants if they had alcohol at the restaurant. Pastor's son, he couldn't play sports in school. And there was, every time you turned around, I remember when I got in the choir as a teenager, we had a youth choir, I got in the choir. On Sunday evening, they had a, thank you Jesus for helping me not say that. They had a couple of women in the church, they'd be back there looking at all the girls, making sure they were all dressed just right and didn't have sleeveless dresses and weren't wearing, weren't wearing makeup. I mean, I rejoice the day that the girls in my church started wearing makeup. You know? <laughs> I shouldn't have said that either, but God didn't catch that one. <laughs> uh, if that offends you. But here's the point. Paul said you've got to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And you better do that. But let me give you some, pot, some guidelines. You know, Revelation 12 tells us that Satan is the accuser of the brethren. Well, why are we running around doing Satan's work, accusing everybody of not living up to our standards? Because there's a lot of rules that God will write in your heart and say, you need to avoid this and you need to avoid that. But somebody else may not have that same thing written on their heart. And you've got to be careful how you walk this out. Now, listen closely to this. There's always been a controversy over liberty. You see it in the book of Acts, chapter 15, Galatians 2. Paul's talking about it. And listen to this. When you talk about nasty and gross, this, this is what was going on. Paul said there were Jewish leaders from the church who came to check him out because he had a young man named Titus who was a Greek. He wasn't Jewish. And he had not been circumcised. And he said they came in as spies overtly or covertly trying to spy out the liberty that we had and whether or not Titus had been circumcised. Now, I'm going to tell you something. That's about as raunchy as you can get. Come in and try and check that out. But that's what Pharisees do. They go compare everybody else to their set of 97 rules. God gives us 10 commandments and says, this will show you your sin. And before we're done, we've got 117 commandments for people to live by. And some of it's not scriptural. And there was a big split in the church and Paul had to navigate it. Because the Jewish believers were saying, you've all got to be circumcised and you've got to live under the Old Testament law. And Paul said, no, they don't because they're not Jews. They don't have to do that. And finally, they got it all worked out and got it settled. But... In the church world, there's always been controversy over this. Now, let me give you three things real fast. 1 Corinthians 10, Paul says, don't be judged by another person's conscience. I have a good pastor friend who says it this way. You'll never find peace in somebody else's head. You work out your relationship with God and find your peace with God. Don't be judged by somebody else's conscience. A second thing he said in Romans 14, 3, he said, don't judge each other's liberty. Don't judge each other. If somebody is free in an area and you don't feel the same way, you know what? Don't judge them. Well, what if, you, what if I'm just convinced they're wrong? Pray for them and let God work on their heart. God will show them. Because you can't work out anybody's salvation but your own. So he said, don't judge each other's liberty. As a matter of fact, in Romans 14, 4, he went so far as to say, who are you to judge a mother man's servant? Let God judge him and work on him. And then the third thing, in 1 Corinthians 8, Paul also said this, don't allow your liberty to offend other people. Don't allow your liberty to offend weaker people. See, I, I grew up in a church where the so-called spiritual leaders of the church, they were the weakest people of all. They were always griping about somebody else's liberty. They were always trying to put rules and regulations on people because they wanted to make themselves look like they were more holy. And all they did was make themselves look like Pharisees. This is good teaching this morning. Every, every, every Pentecostal holiness person in the house said, Amen. Got a few of you, okay. 
But don't allow your liberty to offend others. If you know somebody's weak, be careful how you walk before them. Be careful. Don't let your liberty become a stumbling block. Now, I, I could preach two hours on this. Don't have time this morning. I've got I to keep moving. Number three, the third thing I'm going to talk about. The third offense. I can be offended with God. I've seen it so much through the years. I've seen so many people get offended with God. Well, this, this thing just not, doesn't work for me. It doesn't work out the way it's supposed to work out. I'm not going back to church anymore. But I'm not going to serve God. I tried it for six months and it didn't work. So I'm, 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 I'm done. I'm done. People get offended at God for a lot of reasons. Look at, at John chapter 6. There's a long story here. A good part of this chapter Jesus is teaching the fact that he is the bread of life that's come down from heaven. And boy, it, it really stirred up a hornet's nest. But, but I want you to notice in John chapter 6, verse 53, I want you to notice what happens here. It says, Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Verse 54. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. How many of you just pause a minute and say, that's pretty heavy? But see, here's what Jesus did. If you go back and study Jesus' ministry... From time to time, when the crowd started chasing him because he was feeding 5,000, giving them bread and fish, and providing whatever they might need, and healing sick, and raising dead, and working all these miracles, when the crowd got really big, Jesus would say something really strong, like, eat my flesh and drink my blood. Or he would say, do you really want to follow me? Deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. It's what we call a discipleship test. He would share something and all of a sudden all the people on the fringes would walk away and he'd find out who the real followers were. Now let's read on. Look at verse number 60. Skip down to verse 60. It says, Therefore many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can understand it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, does this offend you? See, I've learned through the years that when we don't understand God and what he's doing in our lives, it's really easy to become offended. We've prayed for something and it doesn't happen in our time period, we can get frustrated. We see people doing certain things and we think, well, I don't understand why God's blessing them, but he's not blessing me the way I want to be blessed. We can get offended. Or we can read something or hear a message like this message today. And then, well, I don't like that. And I don't even do that kind of God. And we get offended and we back away. Happens all the time. There's a tragedy in a family, a tragedy in the church, a tragedy somewhere at work. We say, I don't understand what God's doing. Can I just give you a little preface here? Isaiah talked about it. God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways and thoughts are way up there. Ours are way down here. And friend, I'm going to tell you something. You can read the Bible through 17,000 times and you're never still going to know everything there is to know about God. Especially when it comes down to the personal way he's working in somebody's life. You just can't know everything. That's why you have to have faith and trust in God. Faith is for the times when you can't see and can't understand. That's the time you need to be faithful to God. But then skip down to verse 66. One more little section here. Verse 66 says, From that time many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. People get offended because God doesn't do things our way and they'll walk away from God. Verse 67, Then Jesus said to the twelve, Do you also want to go away? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. 
God's actions, his ways are not always ours. His thoughts are not always ours. We don't always understand where God is and what he's doing. But you know something else I've learned? Sometimes God's word will stretch us. Sometimes we'll read something and it jumps off the page and it's like God saying, I want this kind of commitment from you. And sometimes we get offended at God because we don't want to give God what he asks of us. It's easy to become offended at God. After this teaching, eat my flesh, drink my blood. It says many of the disciples left and walked with him no more. I've been in ministry 43, 44 years now and I've seen it so many times. If God is not my servant, then I'm going to walk away and do it my own way. It happens. But how do I avoid? How do I avoid being offended with God? Peter had it figured out. Jesus said to the disciples, the 12, well, they're leaving. Are you guys going to leave too? What does Peter say? Where else are we going to go? You're the only God. You're the only way. We're going to stay with you. doesn't matter what the way is. We're going to stay right here. We're going to trust you. Friend, when you don't understand, be still. God will lead you through it. Don't run from him. Don't get offended. Don't say this doesn't work for me. Be still. And God will prove that he's God in your life. Don't get offended with God. And in closing, one last little thing. You know, I love to, to study Israel, their journeys from Egypt to the Promised Land. I, I love that study. I've spent a lot of years looking at that. And, you know, it's interesting how God sent plagues on the land of Egypt. And eventually the Passover plague, Pharaoh released the people to go. And Israel, this nation of people within a nation, they left and they started on a journey and then Pharaoh changed his mind and started chasing them. They wound up with facing the Red Sea with canyons on the side, no way out because Pharaoh and his armies were pursuing. And you know, Egypt was the greatest empire on the face of the earth in those days. They look back and see this great army coming and they're so afraid. They've just begun this journey. Moses stretches out his rod and God opens up the waters and they cross on dry ground. And then when Pharaoh's armies come in, the waters come back together and drown them all. They see this amazing victory. Then they start their journey to the promised land. Now think about this. These slaves, all they knew was slavery. They've been delivered from the land of bondage. They've seen Pharaoh's armies drown and wiped out. They've seen these miracles come about. And so they head on this journey. They go out in the desert. Three days later, they're thirsty. And they come to this place called Myra which means bitter. And Mara had these ponds, these wells of water. And they went down and began to drink from this water and they found out it was poison water. It was nasty. They couldn't take it. It was going to make them sick and kill them. And when that happened, listen to me, three days into the journey, all of a sudden, they're done with God. They're offended. They're upset. They're ready to go back to Egypt. They're angry at Moses. They're ready to kill him. It, isn't that the way we are sometimes when God doesn't work things out the way we think he should? Three days. Three days from crossing the Red Sea and already they're ready to abandon God. So Moses says, God, what do I do? God shows him a tree and says, cut down the tree and throw it in the waters. He does so. When he brings the tree into the waters, it makes everything sweet. It heals the waters. And they drank. But, but get this. In the New Testament, there are two or three occasions when the cross on which Jesus died is referred to as a tree. You say, what, what do I do with the bitter waters of my life? Man, there's so much hurt and pain. Some of you have come out of family situations that are so painful and horrible. You say, man, my whole life is just surrounded by bitterness. How do I move through this? Bring the cross into the waters with you. Because here's what happens. Jesus says, your sin was so great, it was insurmountable, it was undescribable. There was so much there, and you could never pay for it in a million lifetimes. 
But at the cross, I paid for all of it so we could be washed away and you could come into my family, be a child of God. So those people who've hurt you and offended you, those offenses, those offenses that are this big, they're nothing compared to what you've been forgiven. So God says you've got to be willing to forgive even as I have forgiven you. I've forgiven you so much and you have such a little thing to deal with by comparison. Look at the cross and realize when God asks me to forgive, he's not asking much. And then the beauty of this is when they threw the, the tree into the waters and the waters were healed, the Lord makes this statement. He says, now, I want you to know I am, this is my, one of my names, I am Jehovah Rapha. I'm the God who heals. I'm the God who heals. You know, for years now, medical studies have shown that many of the diseases we battle with today, many types of cancer, many types of arthritis, many of those diseases begin with a chemical imbalance in the stomach that's caused by anger and bitterness. And it poisons the body from there. Isn't it interesting that God says, bring the cross into your life. And I'll be the God that heals all your diseases. All your diseases. And then the last little nugget. It says they left that place and not far away, God led them to a place called Elam. Where there were seven well, or 12 wells and I think 70 palm trees. It was an oasis in the desert. You see, you may go, be going through a hard place and you're dealing with all this stuff, all this bitterness, but God says, deal with it correctly and an oasis is not far down the road in front of you. You can be offended with people. You can be offended by other people's liberties and actions or you, you can be offended by God. We got to learn to set it aside and keep moving forward with Him. I want to pray for you this morning. Bow your heads. Father, I pray for every person in this room today, and I ask you right now to just tap on every heart. God, if we've got any kind of bitterness, any kind of strife anywhere in our hearts, help us to get it out of the way. God, if we don't deal with offenses, if we let them stay there, they become a bitterness that grows hidden in the soil of our heart, and then it springs up and it begins to cause all kinds of problems down the road. Father, help us each one to deal with with the offenses of life. Help us to pull the cross into our lives and ask forgiveness, receive forgiveness, and then extend forgiveness to those around us. Father, some of us in this place need to ask you for forgiveness. Because we blamed you for things that you knew what you were doing, we just didn't understand. Some of us need to ask forgiveness because we've judged people way too harshly. And some of us need to ask forgiveness because we've offended people. Or some of us need to go to people who've offended us. And in love, reconciliation, work out those relationships. Father, we will act on your word today. We will forgive and forget and move forward. And have your blessing in our lives in Jesus' name. While heads are still bowed and eyes are closed, one more thing. You might be here today. Maybe you've listened to this message and you you're thinking, man, this sounds good, this sounds right, it makes sense to me. But maybe you've never started your relationship with God. Maybe you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your own Savior. Maybe you've never accepted what he did on the cross for your own life. Maybe you've never asked forgiveness and asked him to come into your life and be your God. But maybe right now in your heart you're realizing this feels so right. It feels so right. That's God's spirit knocking on the door of your heart saying, I want you to be in my family. You don't have to have all the answers right now. You don't have to know all the way out from here. All you need to do is accept him and let him start working in your life. He'll lead you one day at a time. But it all begins with an invitation. He's knocking on the door of your heart. You've got to ask him in. We do that with words. I want to lead you in a prayer. It's just words. Wrap your faith around these words and say them with me this morning if you would. Everybody in the house, pray this prayer. Say, God, I need you. And I open my heart to you.
please come into my life. I accept Jesus as my Savior. I choose Jesus. Become the Lord of my life. I want to know you. From this day forward, I'm free from sin. I will learn your ways. I will walk with you. You'll be my father. And I'll be your child. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer this morning for the first time, or maybe you've just been the prodigal on the run for a while, it's the best decision, most important decision you ever make in life. We want to help you start building your relationship with God. That prayer is not the end of the journey. It's just the beginning. We've got a little gift for you, a little booklet called The Next Seven Days. It's just really simple reading for the next week to help you start understanding what it means to be in relationship with God. We want to give this to you. When service is over, we'll have prayer teams standing right here at the front of this platform. Just walk up to one of these teams and say, can I get the booklet? They'll give it to you right there. If you just want to get it and go, that's fine. No strings attached. If you've got questions, they can answer questions. If you want prayer for something else, they're here to pray with you. But please, let us give this to you today. If you're in a really big rush, out in the lobby, as you exit the building where the glass doors are, right in the middle, there's a counter set up there. has a sign on the television screen. talks about beginning your walk with God. You can get the same booklet there. Just walk up and say, can I get it, please? I'll give it to you. God bless you. Hey, can we just put our hands together and welcome new believers into God's family today? God bless you. Hey, can we keep that up for a minute and thank Pastor Gary for his message this morning? Awesome. Hey, real quick, how many would put a hand up real quick and say, I received that. I can take that with me today. Awesome. Awesome. Well, right now, we're going to continue our worship this morning by giving God our tithes and our offerings, by bringing them into his house. And, you know, this morning, I know that sometimes when we think about that idea of praise and worship, we tend to think that it's attached to the music and when we sing and when we lift our hands. But it doesn't stop when the music stops. We continue worshiping God in so many ways. And right now, one of the ways that we can do that is through our giving, by, by bringing our tithes and our offerings. There's a few different ways up on the screen right now of how you can give. You can choose with what, you, what is most convenient for you this morning. If you're a guest with us today, we want you to know there's never any pressure or compulsion to give. Please be our guest. If you'd like to give, we believe that God will bless you for that. But you know, as I was thinking about this this morning, just in service, I was just thinking about when I began giving to God. I look back, it was a big decision. When I thought about the idea of a tithe, bringing my first 10% and giving it to God and saying, God, you're my source and my provider. Can I tell you something? That was a big decision. And when I realized that God was asking it of me, I was almost offended. This is mine. This is what I have. God, don't you know where I'm at right now? But one of the things that I found is that once I began that discipline, that discipline turned into a delight. Because when I put God first, every single day of my life, I can look back to him and I can point out his faithfulness. I can say, God, I put my hope in you. I put my trust in you. And I know confidently every single day that you're my source, that you're my provider, that you will open up the windows of heaven over my life, that you will rebuke the devourer for my sake. Why? Because it's what your word declares. How many people have found that God is good? Has God been generous to you? God would be worthy of our giving even if we never got anything in return, but by his grace we receive from him. And that's why we give today, to honor him and to make a difference in the world in which we live. So thank you so much for your generosity. Thank you so much for your faithfulness. I recognize that all of us only play a small part, but what we do together is big because what we are a part of is bigger than the part that we play. So thank you so much for your faithfulness. As our ushers come right now to receive our tithes and our offerings, let's give confidently and in faith. Let's watch your church news together as we give. Thanks. Good morning, everyone. Thanks for being in church with us this morning. My name is Adrian, and I want to give you a very special welcome to The Bridge. We hope that you and your family enjoy the service this morning and that you feel right at home. We would love to meet you today and help you get connected in the church, especially if this is your first time. There's always a lot happening at the bridge, and we want to do our best to help you be a part of it. So let's check out church news and see what's coming up in the month of February. Are you new to the bridge and looking to find out more about our history, vision, and heartbeat? Well, you're invited to join us Sunday, March 3rd for Connecting Point. Maybe you've been part of the bridge for a while and you're ready to take your next step and serve. 
or maybe you haven't quite put your roots down yet, but you feel like it's time to say, the bridge is my home church. Well, we wanna meet you and help you take your next step in church life. Connecting Point is a casual event that lasts just about an hour. Complimentary coffee and snacks are provided, as well as childcare for all kids, infant through fifth grade. Just sign up at the Connection Center before you go today so that we can prepare for you. We hope to see you Sunday, March 3rd at 6 p.m. for Connecting Point. Our spring term of Connect Groups launched this past week, and we are very excited to see more and more people find community and build relationships here at The Bridge. It's never too late to join a group, and we want to encourage you to get plugged in. You can go to our website and click on the Connect link, or you can pick up a spring connection guide at the Connection Center after the service. Don't do life alone. Get plugged into a connect group, and let's do life together. Last thing this morning on Tuesday morning, this coming Tuesday morning is Bridge Women at 9.30 a.m. We would love for all the ladies to come be a part of that. It's going to be an awesome day. If there are any guys that want to hang out in the youth center after service, help us set a few things up. We would appreciate your time and your help. It would be awesome. Hey, have a great Sunday. Have an awesome week. We love you, and we will see you next weekend.